All right, Church of Omaha. We could gather in towards our seats. I am so glad to be here today in the house of the Lord with all of you. I would like to turn to Psalms chapter 73. Psalms chapter 73. I am, Bishop has done a great job in the Psalms, and yet these last few times I've been up, you know, I, I've done both between Bishop over the last couple years, and this one I've, I thought, you know, this was simply going to be something that I had studied, and yet I keep coming back to it in my mind, and um, hopefully I do it just a little bit of justice. But this is something that's very personal to me. Um, Psalm 73. Let's read verse 1. It says, What's well, a psalm of Asaph? Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Even to such as are of a clean heart. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. God, we ask you to talk to our hearts. God, draw us closer to you, strengthen and encourage. Hallelujah. And before we go another step, um, I just want to pray for Terry and Laurel today. I know we probably pray for them in the second half, but I just want to pray God's strength there. Lord Jesus, I ask you to strength Brother Terry and Sister Laurel. Lord, you know what they've gone through as a family with the death, and I ask you to encourage that family, encourage that niece, bring strength. Oh, God, be with all of them in the hurt and in the pain. In Jesus' name, amen. Truly, God is good to Israel. And a psalm of Asaph. Now, some of you probably, when you think of the book of Psalms, I'm sure by now you've got this, that they're not all written by David. But Asaph here was a worshiper that David had appointed. Asaph was in the temple. He served in church. He was there. He wasn't at, we don't see or think of him as someone out there working a secular job, someone who, who hasn't um, been around church for a long time. When I think of Asaph, I think of being on the praise team. It was his job. And he starts out by writing, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Now this right here, this is, Psalms is broke up into five books. Everybody know that? I don't think so. Psalms is broke up into five books. And this is bringing out, this opens up the third book. And when you look at Psalm 73 in this passage right here, it echoes of Psalms chapter 1. This truly God is good to Israel, even as such of a clean heart, is echoing the covenant that God made with Israel. And I like that word covenant. Because covenant means, hey, I'm going to do this for you. We're in some sort of, I think, of a legal agreement. The exciting thing is, is um, when we look at when God made covenant with Abraham and he said, hey, I'm going to bless the nations of the earth through you. And he, and he promised him and he eventually also established Israel and he gave him Isaac. What did he do? At one point when he made that covenant, he had a, a ceremony or a covenant signing ceremony. Except in this case, it was done with some animals and and. And there was a passing through these pieces of animal, and it wasn't a sacrifice, but it was a covenant. And when this thing occurred, there was only one who passed through the covenant-making ceremony, and that was God. In any other situation, there would have been two that passed through, and, and said, basically you'd be saying, hey, I'm signing it, and you're signing it. And if you do your part, I'll do my part. But God said, you know what? I'm Abraham, I've made a covenant with you, and I'm going to be the one that signs this covenant. Is that not exciting? 
When God made a covenant with us and when He went to the cross, He is the only one that signed it. Oh, we didn't have to go and say, okay, God, all right, you do your part and I'll do my part for you. You know the only thing we had to do? You know what Abraham did when that had that covenant signing ceremony? He was there keeping the birds off. He was there keeping the things that was going to try to come in and, and mess it all up. And you know what I need to do in my life? I need to say, hold on. I'm sticking around until he comes. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to keep off the things of this world and the enemy that comes this way. I, I'm not going to give up. God has made a commitment to me and I'm going to stay with him. We need to keep our commitment, or we need to keep ourselves committed to God. But it's not because we're signing a covenant, but because we're saying, God, what you've given to me, I'm going to stick with it. You can walk out anytime you want. God's not going to force you. But he's the only one that went to a cross. He's the only one that died there. And why do we live holy for God? Why do we live upright? And why do we do the things in this book? It's because of His kindness towards us. Not because we're earning something. Not because it's like, okay, Lord, if I dress in this sports coat today, you're now going to bless me because I did my part. No, that's not what it is. God's mercies are a gift. It's His reaching towards us. And so, this verse 1, it echoes here of the covenant. And it's saying, truly God is good to Israel. I think of Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but like, but like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I had to learn that psalm when I was a kid in Sunday school. When you look at that psalm, it kicks off with blessed is the man. And it gives you a tree. And it's saying, hey, covenant with Israel or covenant with the people of God, when you get in this word, and if you'll just stick with this word, and who's the word? Jesus is the word. If you'll stick in it, and if you'll read it, and if you'll study it, oh, it's a blessing to you. It's going to keep you. You're going to be right where he needs you to be. You're going to be a strong tree. You're going you're gonna to blossom. You're going to be right by those rivers. You're going to soak it up. You're going to have those leaves. And First Lady, she's been talking on Wednesday nights, and I thought about this tree when she showed the, the dendrites up there. And I thought, man, they look like a tree. And she talked about when you've gone through certain struggles, and it looks up like that, um, and your tree's not quite right, and it's that shriveled dendrite. But when we're where we need to be, you're, you're blossoming, and you're growing, and and, and I thought of that on the mind, and I'm going to digress there a little bit, well, I guess since I touched it. Jesus is the tree of life. And when he touches our minds and he gets in there and he does his healing work, we blossom and we grow. So Psalms 1 here, it kicks off this wonderful book of Psalms and it tells us how 
when we follow the word and, 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 and we walk in his ways, we're going to have all of those blessings because we're right where we need to be and we're in his covenant and so we're reaping the benefits of it. And we're growing and, and it's this positive statement. And then this is what happens to the wicked and the righteous blossom and the wicked don't. Psalm 73, when it says, truly God is good to Israel, that's such a very clean heart. He's saying, hey, look at Psalms 1. Look at those people in the covenant. Look at those ones that are by that river there. They're that tree. And it, it seems so straightforward and it seems so plain. And, and the wicked, they're not going to do well. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. But then he tells us, he says, hey, wait a second. This is what I loved about Psalm 73 and all of book three here. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as over a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I nearly slipped. I, I get it that the word tells me that God's good. And I get it that he says you'll be like a tree planted by the waters. But you know what? Life happened. And that's where Psalm 73 comes in because it gives us another view of this whole book in the word of God. Psalms 1 said you're like that tree by the water. But he said, you know what? I saw life and I, I, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I, I, I went through some things. He says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had nigh, well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth about them as a chain. That's not like I'm in chains. That's like I'm rich. Royalty. Violence covereth them as a garment. They're clothed in it. It works out for them. Their eyes stand out with fatness. That means they're prospering. I know some of you, when you read fatness there, you're like, well, hold on a second. Can we get a diet plan? <laughs> we take care of this. No, when you read about fatness in the Bible, generally... That means somebody's been doing well. They've got food. They're plenteous. And, and some cultures, you want to you wanna marry somebody who's plump. I'm not going to say fat there anymore. I'll say plump. Because you're like, oh, they've had plenty of food. That's a great thing. In our culture, we're like, ooh, I've had plenty of food. I ate two pizzas. Nobody ate two pizzas, right? I must confess. Maybe I shouldn't. We had three pizzas at the house the other day, but we have a family of seven, so six of them ate one, and I ate one. And the kids were like, what? <laughs> yeah. I ate breakfast at the hotel yesterday, and I had a bowl of oatmeal as I was walking towards the table, so I turned around and went and got eggs and sausage and biscuit and put it all together, and I came back and I ate that, and the kids' eyes bugged out because they're like, and you ate it in two minutes, Dad. <laughs> that is a true story, actually. Um, but their, their eyes, their, their fat, and it says their, their eyes stand out with fatness. They, they, um, they have more than their heart could wish. 
They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. Their mouths, they set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and the waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know, and is there knowledge of the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, and they increase in riches. So he's saying, hey, that's not what I witnessed. I know you told me I would be like a tree by the water and that those wicked people and things wouldn't work out for them, but that's not what I'm seeing. They're prospering. They're doing well. And Why do I go to church every single Sunday? And why do I try to dress the way I should? And why do I keep my mouth shut when, and when I just want to say things to people? And I'm trying to bring it into our lives now, okay? I'm over here, and yet I see everything is working out for them. You know what? They, they, they're not troubled in their sleep. They, they get to do everything wrong, and everything seems to go right. Has anybody ever been there? I was talking to God about this. And I'm like, God, what people in the Bible that's gone through this? What's some people in the Bible that, that, that had this? And, and, and I'm running through people and Asaph. I'm like, well, yeah, the Psalms from Asaph. Yeah, Asaph went through this. I, I know, Lord, that's where we're in this Psalm. Asaph, the worship leader, the one that I'm at the church every day. Bishop, I don't want to totally pick on you. Sometimes you're probably like, why do I have to be at the church every day? No, he loves being at the church. He loves being at the church. But when he has preached many days in a row for many weekends, I'm like, sometimes he's probably like, you know what, God, I love church, but could I, like, not have church right now? I know the rest of you probably never thought that before. You don't want to ever hear that. But when you've, had, when you've just been, 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 and sometimes you're just like, could I watch a movie? That got recorded too, didn't it? Um, and, and, and you're in church, and it feels like you're there, and you're, and you're like, oh, oh, hey, hey, he's got this. You know what? Ministry struggles. And the enemy comes in, and he attacks just like he attacks you on the job. And, and he comes in, and he hits your mind. And, and when we're not around, your bishop, sometimes he's like, God, can I take any more? And why is it that every time I turn around, one of my saints has to be going through something and the enemy seems to be attacking? And then this bill comes in and well, did another object had to break around here? And, and just as we're struggling in our own personal finances, so the church, she's like, and how are we going to pay this and pay that? And, and, and this person, Asaph, who's at church, is going through things and he's like, wasn't it supposed to be going good? Wasn't I supposed to be taken care of? What about them? Why do they seem to prosper? He kind of refers to them like modern day atheists. They look over and they're like, where's God? They deny Him. They don't care about Him. They, they reject Him. They put Him down. I thought about Peter. Now, Peter's story, I like Peter, and I refer to these stories a lot. That's because the New Testament talks a lot about Peter in the Gospels, too. So the, the Gospels liked Peter. But I thought about Peter and why I, I referenced some verses here. But Peter, Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus come walking by the Sea of Galilee, and Peter had a job. He's over there fishing. 
got a career set for him. And Jesus walks by and he says, hey, come and I'll make you fishers of men. <laughs> had to be a great moment for Peter. Peter, we see him in all his brashness and, and he tells Jesus exactly how things are going to work out. And Peter's the one that jumped out there and walked on the water. And, and Peter had this whole moment where, where his name was, was uh, uh, Simon and, and Jesus went ahead and he changed it to Peter. And the New Testament constantly just refers to him as Peter, so sometimes we miss the fact that he was Simon, but Jesus called him Peter, and he did that when he had this whole encounter, and Jesus said to him, whom do men say that I am? And Peter jumps out to the rest of them, and when Jesus says, but whom do you say that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's Matthew chapter 16. And, and Jesus lets him know, hey, I'm going to... Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and I'm going to give you the, the keys. And so Peter, he has to feel all so great up until we find him by a fire. And when he's by a fire and he sees all these people persecuting Jesus, the one that we walked with with three and a half years, the one that was going to take care of everything. He's that tree by the, the water. He's our, he's our water. He's the one that will make us prosper. Everything's going to be great. And in the moment he's by the fire and who's prospering, it's not Jesus. It's not the disciples. It's these ones that bring the accusations and make lies. It's these wicked ones. It's these ones that, that Jesus was supposed to take care of. And in that moment, what does Peter do? He curses. I don't know him. Did it not just one time. Didn't just do it twice. He did it three times. I thought of him when I said, God, you know, who's some people that struggled? And that struggle in Peter, I think that that continued because after Jesus came back from the grave and he walked through the doors and, and as they talked about on Wednesday night, how he would be there and then boom, he would be gone and, and all this great stuff was happening. We see in John chapter 21, verse 3, it says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. Can you imagine? I, I, I still, I, I really am amazed by this verse. I think about it. I think we do this as well. They had not just had been called by Jesus. He hadn't just had three and a half years with Jesus. He's now seen him back from the dead. He's had him poof out of the room. And yet, in our humanity, in his humanity, not only him, but he had an effect on everyone around him when he said, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going fishing. I don't, I, I've wondered, was it, sometimes I think, well, maybe it was just going to be the moment. Hey, we're going fishing this weekend. I know it was more than that because Jesus decided, I need to be on the seashore right now. And he was over there on the seashore and I'm going to reflect on it again because Peter, when he realized it was Jesus, jumped in that water. And when he got to shore, he discovered it was a fire made out of coals. And what was the fire that Peter had cursed Jesus at? A fire made out of coals. And Jesus was like, I know that you're in that boat over there but I'm right here on your shore and we're going to have another moment where you cursed me last time, but I'm at this fire. Oh, I'm so thankful that God brings us back to our moments. 
and gives us another opportunity. I've needed lots of opportunities. And he didn't throw it in his face. Remember that you cursed me? You know, it's, I just, maybe, maybe it wasn't recorded. Bishop, maybe, maybe they just didn't put this one down. Can't you just see Jesus? That's what I'd wanted. After you were all done, I well, hey, you kind of remember you cursed me, right? Just, just I, I know, Peter, you said you loved me, but I just had to throw it back out there because you did it like three times. When I was going to the cross, what were you thinking? You know, I don't, but no, Jesus didn't throw that in his face. He just said, do you love me? Oh, isn't that great? If I'd been at this altar and I didn't think I was worthy of God, and my feet had nearly slipped, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked, and I was out there, and I was like, what's going on here? And, and, and where's life at? And, and, and what am I doing here? And, and, and I tasted of the world, and, and I then was like, am I even worthy of God? And I messed up, and I sinned. And yet God has a way of saying, when I'm like, I don't even belong here, and then his voice cuts through in that silence and he says in the depth of my heart, do you love me? I'm like, yeah, God, I love you. But I can't be there. And he's like, no, it doesn't matter about, I'm just asking you plain, do you love me? And, and you might be thinking that he's saying to Peter, do you love me? And I know we see Peter say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, and he gets frustrated. But I think it's even deeper than that because it reaches into that heart and it pulls at that place and, and it's this, I do love you, God. I do love you. You know, I've had those moments. I've had those moments. I've had it as I was called into ministry. Do you love me? It's what brings you back in life when you, sometimes you're down and you're out. And it's the, do you love me? I ask God, is there other people that struggled? And is there other ones that struggled? And and I thought back to James chapter 1. I know we've told you before, but the Israelites, when things were going well and they were living for God, they prospered. And when they weren't living right for God, they were captured and the land was destroyed. And, and yet now the church is being built and it's facing persecution. In James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, when you fall into struggles. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Why was James shoving this in here? Why in this whole, where we hit the book of James and he talks about, about uh, uh, going after your lusts and not getting this or that, but at the start here he's saying, hey, hold on a second. It's okay when you go through different struggles. That doesn't mean God walked out on you. It means he's building you. And so you are right where you need to be. 1 Peter chapter six, or for chapter 1, verses 6-9, through nine, I'm not going to read all of it, but it says, wherein, this is Peter, the one who denied Jesus, saying, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He's saying, you know what? You're going to go through struggle. That doesn't mean that God is far from you. It doesn't mean that you've been wicked and you've sinned. No, he isn't saying that. He's just saying there's a, a moment here. And I like it. There, there's, don't give up because it seems like forever you've been in a struggle. Because eternity 
is way lot longer than your for, quote forever moment. It's just in a blink of an eye. And you might would struggle your entire life down here. And I'm telling you, God's blessings are going to be rich in your life down here. But you will think, man, am I going to struggle the rest of my life? Eternity is so much longer than this blink of an eye moment. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He's coming back. So we did have struggles in the New Testament, and it wasn't just Peter. You know, it's you and it's me. And we're being told, hey, don't give up because you go through struggle. It's going to shape you, and it's going to mold you. You know, I thought of Isaiah, actually, because we see in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died. In the year that King Uzziah died. So did all these men, did they struggle? And I, I thought of Joseph, actually, in the Old Testament. Because we see him and we read the story, and even though there's a lot written on him, I, when I read through it first, I almost miss the fact that he had to go through many years of struggle. Because when he finally told his brothers, when you see the naming of his sons, and you say, hey, God's made me forget, and, um, and I have God's blessings, and you see that, you see the naming of his sons, and then you realize, hey, this, this, there's something here. And his understanding then that, that God intended for him to deliver them and that God meant it for good. So I thought of him and his struggles. And Asaph, the worshiper, and he saw the prosperity of the wicked and his feet nearly slipped. And then this psalm, this psalm is like staircases. You could say I'm going down and then I'm coming back up. Or I went up and I went down. You can think of it like a ladder. This is a picture that I have. These, this wood here is a bit wet, a bit slippery. I like to hike. I've been on trails like this. Been on some more slippery trails than this. My feet nearly slipped. But then he says, verse 16, he says, When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It's like, oh man. You know what? I, I thought... The other side of the psalm here in chapter 1, I saw it. The wicked seemed to prosper. It's the opposite of what I thought it would be. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Oh, Asaph here says something changed for me. It's like Isaiah in the year that King Uzziah died. Oh, then he saw the Lord high and lifted up. You know what it is? We got a timeline of our life. And it seems like the wicked are prospering. And everything's dumping on us. And, and my goodness, we had $15,000 of bills come in in the first three months. Has anybody ever been there? Every appliance in your house failed. The car got wrecked. Yeah, that, not every appliance, but pretty close. Catastrophe happened. It rained down. That happened to me, actually. When the next thing failed, I stood back and laughed. I was like, really? We don't make money that quickly, God. 
my financial situation hadn't changed. But boom, right here, something changed. And you know what it was? An encounter with Jesus Christ. Then I went into the house of the Lord. I went into the sanctuary. Oh, you know what? In part, that's coming to this building right here. That's another reason why you need to come to church. Oh, some of you have been holding out a long time. It's been a long time since you were in this place. But you just need to make your way back. And you say, why does it have to be that building? You know what? You can encounter God in a variety of places. I found Him on the top of the mountain. I found Him in the dry plains in Nebraska. I found Him in my closet. I found Him in my car. I found Him in my alone moments. But when I made a decision in my mind, and I put my feet to it, you know what? I'm going back to that building. I'm going to go find those. They look like stairs to some of you. But to me, they're a precious altar where I have sacrificed my, given my life to God. Oh, and I made my way back. And I got here. And I began to raise my hands. You know what happened? It wasn't stairs anymore. It wasn't just some steps. But I in the Spirit entered into the sanctuary. A safe place. Oh, I got in the presence of God. Back home on the table, the bills were piling up. And, and, and the problems still reigned. And it may seem like the wicked still prospered. Oh, but I got in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This isn't something that's like in a moment. Sister Nancy, it's not like you were over here. This is little kids' lives. They're like, yay, it's great, it's great, life's great, great, great. You tripped me. He tripped me. You know, we have the birthday party. We give out the gifts. I wanted it. Hey, can I play with that? Why does he always want to play with my toys? Okay, my kids aren't that extreme. But it seems that way sometimes. They flip the switch on and off, and, and we like to think life's that way. You know, really, actually what it is, sometimes we go through months and months, and sometimes it seems like years, and sometimes it's literally been years, and, and you have the lady with the issue of blood for 12 years, and you have the man that was, what, 40 years at the gate and at the pool, and, and, and you're like, God, please don't, you know what, don't even think about it. It's going to last 40 years. You just keep holding on to God, okay? But it isn't just like we had a, whew, bam, moment, and our emotions swing back and forth. No. Sometimes the struggle's long. And sometimes our getting into the sanctuary is a talk with God. And we're like, God, are you even out there? God, I don't even know why I'm trying to whisper today. God, why are we even here? You know what? But you didn't just return to the building. He then pulls you into a sanctuary. And you get to see God. Oh, I'm telling you, you will see God. You will see God. The richest people in the world, they have no idea what it's like that God reaches into, just as he has before, into each and every one of your lives. And he has revealed himself to you. I almost slipped. And then I went to the sanctuary. You know, I just want to highlight something here because what happened in the sanctuary? Revelation happened. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. He all of a sudden saw things. What did he see? 
What did he see when he went into the sanctuary? Well, look at verse 18. And then look at verse 2. What did verse 2 say? But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Everything seemed to go great for them. But what does verse 18 say? After he had a revelatory moment, an encounter with God, boom, right there in that moment, what did he see? Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. You know what? I about blew this year. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that I'm still walking with him. Because I about slipped because I got my eyes on the wrong place. But then when I got in a place with him, I realized their apparent peace and their apparent prospering really doesn't last that long. But he has set them in slippery places. And eventually that's going to cave out from underneath them. Oh, but God's never going to leave me. His word is true. Oh, he says how they are brought unto desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with tears. Oh, church. Don't look at the wicked and think just everything's going great for them. Oh, they may seem to have peace in the moment, but I don't want their fear and their terror. At the end of their life, when they realize that none of their riches matter, and what did they really do with their life? You know, church, our life is like a blink. And it just passes. It's like a breath. But what you do with your life will last forever. The impact that you have in your blink of a moment time goes on for eternity. And not just because you can live forever with him, but you change a life here, and they change a life over there, and they change a life there. And your testimonies and your prayers, they are up there long after you would pass. And they're having their work. So yes, your life is for a moment, but what you do with your life will last forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 21, it says, Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. That's just the insides. In my soul I was pricked. Oh, how that contrasts to, to when he, he said, I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. See, when I looked at the wicked, he was pricked, right? Oh, man. I thought it would go with, well with them. But then when he had a revelation moment, he was like, oh, their ways. Why did I ever think to glorify their ways? Why did I think to lift up the wicked's ways? Why did I want to do it their way? So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before them. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Oh, you know what you have in God? Ah! Oh, Brother Kennedy, you know what I see? He reaches down and he grabs your, your right hand. I have to get mine. He grabs your right hand. He grabs, he has your hold of your, your power. And you know what you have? The right hand is the right hand of power. And he's, he's reaching over there. And he, it's not my power, it's his power. Amen. And how am I going to get through life? Because he has me and he's got a hold of me. And when he has a hold of me, you know what we have, Brother Kennedy? This is just like with my children. They reach up and grab my hand, and they're like, oh, I got to hold a dad's hand. But you know what really happened? Oh, I've been walking along, and I've been stretching my hand out. And I've been, 
showing my fingers. I'm walking into, it's often when I walk in the stores, I'm holding my hand back there. And little Finn, he runs up and he grabs my hand. Why? Because he thinks he got a hold of me. But I've got a hold of him. And I'm pulling on him. And that's our king. That's Jesus. And, and we think, well, I, I got a hold of him. And he's like, oh, no, I got a hold of you. And, and, and we think, well, look what I just did. You know, when they're really little, they like to push that cart. And they, they're pushing that cart through the store, but you're around them, and you're pushing it. Sometimes they say, let go, let go, I got this, Dad. So you let go. And they go, oh, whatever it is you're pushing. They're like, wait a second. This is a little bit heavier than I thought. You know, I thought I could do this. And you're like, oh, no, no, we can do this. He's got our hand. He's holding us. Somebody needs to return to the sanctuary today. Somebody needs to get back into the presence of God. You need to have a, a moment where the lights come back on. And you just begin to realize what God is in your life. And His benefits and His blessings. And that He's got your hand. Oh, go ahead. Give Him a hand clap. Give Him worship. You are holy, oh God. Oh, then he says, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterwards, receive me to glory. <laughs> oh, he's, you're going to guide me. You know what he just did here? The writer Asaph, the worshiper, he got his eyes off that. And, and before, if you can see it, here's God. If you could see Isaiah in the temple. I saw him high and lifted up. And we talk about his train fills the temple. You know who he saw? He saw Jesus. And he saw him. But if Isaiah's back had been to the sanctuary, and if he had been, if we could think of this, if he'd been out in the doorway, and he had been looking out across the city and looking at the wicked, behind him would be the king high and lifted up. And he wouldn't have seen any of it because he'd have been looking in the wrong place. But when you get turned around, oh, and you begin to look on his glorious face, oh, life is still life. But you now see Him. And you're living towards Him. Instead of just expecting Him to take care of you. You're now back to Jesus. I'm walking with you. You've got me. And you're guiding me. Oh, and you're going to receive me into glory. Hallelujah. Whom? <laughs> I just want to read the rest of this. This is great stuff. You know, just, you just read it. Whom have I in heaven? Where would we go? And there is none on the earth that I desire beside thee. You know what? He, he did desire other things. He saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's been me too. Man, why can't I have the meal with the toy in it? You know, I, I saw all that. But then I got back here. I'm like, oh, you know, you're the only thing I want. If I could just have you. Could we stand to our feet? For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-warring after thee. Don't be jealous because God gave them a little space to repent. But as for me, it, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare thy works. Let's lift our hands up and put them in his hand. But as for me, but it is good for me to draw near to God.